Welcome to Growing Up Latina. I am super excited about today's guest. I mean, listen, every episode, it's for y'all. But this time, this is for me. <laughs> this one's for me. I want to give a warm welcome to Cindy Zuniga Sanchez. Thank you. Thank you. Thank oh, my you. God. I'm so hyped, girl. <laughs> me too. Like I'm excited. I, to I told you offline, like, I have real questions. Yeah. We may go a little bit over time, but... Yeah. No, ija, ija. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Let's do it. <laughs> so you are the founder of Zero Base Budget. Yes. Well, we're going to start from the beginning, but before we get there, yes. tell me what is Zero Base Budget? Yes. So Zero Base Budget is my personal finance coaching business where I really educate millennial women, uh, specifically millennial women of color, on how to become financially free. You know, it's my it's my project, it's my passion project, and it's something that was born out of me tackling over two hundred thousand dollars of debt on my own, and realizing that there is a need in our community for relatable personal finance information, advice, right. education, uh, tips, and 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 to do it in a way that is fun too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's my mission, and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's my it's my baby. <laughs> Let's take it from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So where were you born? So I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Okay. Um, to immigrant parents, my father is from Honduras, my mom is from Ecuador, and you know I have a very typical daughter of immigrant story. I mm -hmm. you know was raised in a very low income community in the Bronx, and my parents did everything that they could to provide for us, and often that meant just making sure that food was on the table, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, and 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 I I carry a lot of Bronx pride with me because it is a pu huge part of my identity. It made me who I am. It instilled grit, you know, uh, a lot of street smart, <laughs> um, right. but also a lot of uh, passion. You know, I think there's a lot of passion in our community, and uh, it's definitely something that from when I was a little girl, I've just had it, and and I have a lot of pride anytime anyone asks me where I'm from, like from the, the BX, Bronx. the BX. So <laughs> I'm I'm glad you bring that up because yeah. I'm from the Bronx. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I live in Pelham Parkway. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and it's been like the biggest debate, right? Yeah. Because me and my friend we're always talking about the Bronx. She loves the Bronx, mm -hmm. right? And I'm always like. I want to get out of the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's yeah. that battle of like, I love the Bronx. Yeah. But I'm, I I have the mentality like, what else is yeah. there? Right? So I think for me, I'm just like, okay, whatever I do, I got to find a way out. It's always like yeah. geared towards, I need out, I need out, I need yeah. out. Yeah. But for you, like you yeah. did everything in the Bronx. You just told yeah. me you recently moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did. You know, um, after graduating from college, I moved back home for my first year of law school, and then I moved to Harlem, and I lived mm -hmm. in Harlem for a few years, okay. and then I moved back to the Bronx with my husband, who's also from the Bronx, Okay. and, you know, we, uh, we, we lived there for a few years, and it was great, uh, but I wanted to do something different. Okay. I wanted to live somewhere different for at least a bit, mm -hmm. because my long term is I do want to buy in the Bronx. I do want mm. to settle down in the Bronx. It's my home, you know, but that. but I don't want to buy property right right now. Okay. So right now I was like, let me just let's just experiment a little bit. Let's like 
live somewhere else for some time, you know, and then when it comes time to buy either a house or an apartment or wherever, we're going to come back home because home right. is home. Right. You know, my parents have been living in the Bronx for over 50 years, you yeah. know, and it's it's their home too. And it's, um, you know, so, uh, so, but I did want to try something a little different. So right. I very, very recently moved to Jersey City, um, which is funny because it's like right across the river. Like yeah. when people ask me sometimes like, oh my gosh, how long was your commute? I'm like, not long at no. all <laughs> like it was actually really quick you know mm-hmm. um because it's just really a stop away uh on the train but um but it is something that i think what i see a lot especially for those of us that are born and raised in the bronx <clears throat> is this desire of more mm-hmm. you know of more and sometimes i think a lot of us carry this well i want to know what's what else is out there mm-hmm. and i think that's okay okay i i like that because i always kind of felt guilty for saying yeah, that like no oh, why no. do i because i don't dislike the bronx no and even whenever i travel right there's only certain things that you can get in the bronx like i will yeah. always get my nails done yeah. in the bronx <laughs> always my hair in the Bronx. Yeah, so yeah. there's just certain things yeah. where it's like, okay, I'll move, yeah. but I'll still go to the Bronx for this. Yeah, well, because it's still, it's always going to be your home, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it might not be your place of residence right. forever, but that's okay. I think it's good to experiment. You know, I have had friends that have moved out to the West Coast. They moved out to Chicago, to to Florida, to Texas, to other parts, you know, and I think that's fine. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. Right. But I think life is all about trying new things. I think especially with what's happened with the pandemic, it's like, why not? You know, why not? And if there is something that calls you out and says, you know, why don't you just try this? Then then go for it. But if there is something that, you know, you want to do within your community, uh, for your community, then by all means, stay and, and do it and get the work done, you know. Um, but I say no matter what, you know, carry that pride with you and and never, never neglect your community or think that you're too good for your community. True. That's something that now, I think is is It's big. key. Yeah. It's key. Yeah. Now, for me, um, living in the Bronx and, like, me trying to, like, dibble and dabble mm-hmm. to, like, other areas. Like, for me, I always want to go to, like, New Rochelle, mm-hmm. like, Westchester. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother tells me, me have. Stay in the Bronx. <laughs> Your rent over there Ooh. will be skyrocket yeah. high and forget about yeah. it. And then I'm always like, but why do I have to stay comfortable? Yeah, yeah. Like why? Yeah. I, I almost feel like I'm limiting the amount of money I'm making just to stay in the Bronx because yeah. as long as I know I'm making that rent, then yeah, I'm okay. good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But maybe if I moved out of the Bronx where yeah. rent is like, a little bit more yeah. then my hustle will then become like yeah yeah well actually my rent in jersey city is more than it was in the bronx oh, you know yeah yeah it is um but you know for me it's just exposed me to something different it's a different location it's a, a different group of people um of course there are things that i miss from back home uh, i used to live right in the arthur avenue area and i i will die on this hill there is no better italian food than there You're is so on Arthur right. Avenue. You're so right Period. about that. <laughs> like when people ask me like, oh, are you going to Little Italy? And and they, they're referring to Soho. And I'm like, you mean in the Bronx? In the Bronx. Because that's Little Italy. It's so cute yeah. in the Bronx. Yeah. There's so many cute spots in the Bronx. Yeah. Little Italy in the Bronx Yeah, everything. It's perfect. And it's such, such good food and the people and everything is all great and stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, now I live in another area and, and I've had to adapt, of course, cause it's, it's different, uh, but it's been nice, you know, yeah. it's been nice and, and what I'm the enjoying people like over there quiet. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, quiet. Okay. Quiet. I will say it's 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 very quiet in the area where I live in specifically. It's a lot of like young families. Mm-hmm. From what I've been told, what happens a lot of times is, you know, people li- will live in New York City like in their 20s, early 30s. Then they get married and they move to Jersey City because it's not quite Manhattan right. or the Bronx or Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It's a little more out there and they'll start their families there like there. or like having children, I mean. Uh, and then their kids get a little bigger and then they move out into the suburbs. Right. You know, so it's kind of like a three step process. Um, the suburbs are not for me. I need to live in a walkable city, yeah. hands down. So like, you don't drive? No. So I have been driving since I was six. 16, 17 years old. I've okay. had, uh, I've, I had a car for seven years, you know, because okay. when I went out to college, um, I had a car all, all those years. Uh, but I really dislike driving. Really? I don't like, I don't like driving. I do it, but okay. I don't like it. Okay. Um, and I love what, you know, people call urban hiking. I love walking. Yeah. I love walking. I love walking. Uh, I love being a tourist in my own city. It's it's fun for me. And I need to live in a walkable area. And that leads me with very, very few places, sadly, that I would right. really be able to, you know, like I went to uh, Los Angeles last year and I had to rent the car. Oh, 1000%. I had to. Take, and I was so mad. There's no walking anywhere in LA. I was so mad. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to. And then, you know, my husband, and I, my, my, uh, my husband doesn't drive. He doesn't have a okay. license. Like he's no. a he's a very typical New, New York, York City yes. kind of kid, right? Mm-hmm. And we were out there and like we wound up like, you know, on Google, like, oh, that's a 10-minute walk. Like, that's, that's fine. It. Why are we on the highway? No. You are Why not. Why are we on the side on the of highway? a freeway? Oh. Oh having to walk with him like back in like behind me like what? why are we doing this like what is going on you guys and probably looked insane people were we probably driving crazy. like what are these people we, doing we looked ridiculous you know and like, it's like why are we doing this so we need to live in a walkable city that's like one of okay. our big criterias um but yeah so that that's a <laughs> long way of saying you know i recently moved from the bronx to jersey city the bronx will always have my heart and it is where eventually long term uh where i do see myself like Settling down, if you will. Okay, so yeah. elementary, where yeah. were you? Yeah. What school did you go? Was yeah. it in the Bronx? Was it in Harlem? Yeah, it was in the Bronx. In so, the Bronx, okay. Um, I went to Blessed Sacrament, which is uh, the elementary school that Justice Sotomayor went to. Yes. I also went to her co- uh, her high school as well, which nice. was Cardinal Spellman High School. And yeah, you know, my elementary school was uh, just a few blocks from where I grew up. And uh, it was Catholic, you know, and okay. I, I point that out because... Uh, receiving as best of an education as I could was something that my parents were very passionate about. Mm -hmm. And what that meant was uh, they had to side hustle. You know, they had to side hustle in order to afford the Catholic school tuition that they Mm -hmm. wanted to put me in uh, because, you know, the public schools, they weren't as as good as they should be, period. You know, and it's a a sad, sad reality. Nobody wants to talk about it. You know, it's a topic that people are like, ooh, let's not even go there. And it's like, no, let's. let's yeah, because, let's go there. Because our kids deserve better. And unfortunately, at you know, at the time in the early 90s, um, it just wasn't, you know, the nearby school wasn't going to be the best fit. And, and my parents, yeah, they put me in elementary school. So I think from the time that I was a little girl, I really saw the value of an education. Like it right. was ingrained in me, you know. An education would be the way out of poverty. That's what I understood to be true. Mm -hmm. And so I had one job then, 
you know, I had one job, uh, which was to be a good student. And that's what I did. And that's what I committed to myself. You know, I was like the the valedictorian, valedictorian of my eighth grade class, you know, for like elementary school. And I, for me, that was like the bare minimum. Right. Like, right. it's like, I need to do this. It wasn't even like, oh, wow, good job, Cindy. Like, here's a reward or like, here's like allowance. Like, right, right. My mom would be like, allowance. Like, <laughs> like what is that? <laughs> what is yes, that? Like, <laughs> yes, okay. So, you know. Um, so you genuinely yeah. loved school. Oh, I was a nerd. You was a nerd. Total nerd. Okay. Total nerd. So Love you were like school. the one that I would sit next to, like, "Hey, girl." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And and I would be amazing, the, and I though. would be the one that'd be like, um, you know, we we can talk later too. Like I yeah. can I can help you like after you class. You were that like, girl. Like let's I do it. Can like, I tell yeah. you, I love people that can do that. Yeah. Like you were the helper. Like you're like, hey, let's take a little bit of time after school. Let's figure it out for I you. I think I think looking back on it, I think that's where my love of teaching really started. You know, is 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 knowing that I can, in small ways, I can help. If I can I help you with that. fractions, I can't help you with fractions now. <laughs> That's not my ministry, okay? No. It's not. not but no. back then, right. but back then, you know, like, and I think that, yeah, I mean, when 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 I was just thinking about, you know, from when I was a little girl, I wasn't super athletic. Mm -hmm. Did not have those skills. Okay, so not gym I class. Wasn't, uh, gym class wasn't your thing. Nah, not really. No. Not okay. really. I, I loved it. Okay. I loved it. I was a tomboy when I was little. I loved, okay. I mean, like even how I dressed, like everything. I wasn't like super girly or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, the athletics wasn't for me. I wasn't musically inclined. Right. You know, nothing like that. But but I was really good at school. You know? But what was your favorite subject? I think from when I was little, the sciences were always mm. my thing. That okay. was always my thing. Uh, science was hands down my subject and I actually got like a a small scholarship for science when I was uh in the eighth grade for like you know going to going to high school uh because of just how dedicated I was to it That's and so dope yeah I, like I was that. a science nerd like I took like physics in high school I took calculus <laughs> all of that meanwhile my husband was like I'm gonna take religion class yeah. and English <laughs> and social that studies. Was my thing. Social that was, studies, yeah. And English. That was my husband's thing. Social studies, English, oh um, you know, uh, all those other classes. Um, and I say my husband because we are high school sweethearts. I so, know. Yeah. that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. How was even that like just dating in high school and? Well, that's a lot of commitment, first of all. Yeah, it like, is a lot of commitment. Yeah. Um, I will say, especially if my parents see this interview, right? <laughs> I wasn't allowed to date. Like, it's not like, you know, when I was in elementary school. So you were keeping school, it a secret? I did for a couple of years. Okay, I did. Okay. I did. I did. Okay. I really did. <laughs> okay. You know, when I was in elementary school, like I said, I was kind of like very tomboyish. I was very, very much a nerd. Mm. I didn't have boyfriends. I didn't have boyfriends. I didn't really have, I had like some crushes, but like I wasn't boy crazy ever. I was right. very just like studious. Like I, I, again, you know, like what I said earlier, I had one job, right. you know, which was to get good grades mm -hmm. and to, uh, you know, be able to then get into a really good high school. And then I was able to get into that really good high school. I got into Cardinal Spelman High School uh, in the Amazing. Bronx. Amazing. Which is a great school. It's a it's a co-ed school. Yes. My dad wanted me to go to an all-girls Catholic school. And I was like, mm, I'm no, a, I'll no. apply. I applied oh, you just did. to just satisfy to make, okay. his, like, his heart. But um, but you knew in the back of your no, mind. I was I'm like, not, doing not that. a chance now. Like, <laughs> I'm not, not doing that. Not a chance. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I got to high school and I, I was still definitely very much uh, like nerdy. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I didn't test into for some reason I did I didn't test into the honors classes. I was in the regular classes, mm-hmm. and I was like, cool, like you know, this is fine. Um, but then after my first year, my grades were really quite high, so I got into all the honors classes, and that's when I met my husband mm-hmm. because my <clears throat> my husband was in all the honors classes, you know. And um, it's funny because when I saw yeah. him the first time, I was like, hmm. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> He's cute, you know. Um, but again, like my school is still like very much trying to like, you know, may the Holy Spirit bet- be between the both of you. Right. Like that kind of thing. Right, like my right. school is very like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm yeah, it's 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 it is really quite funny. But yeah, people people actually laugh because I tell them that uh in high school is when I realized that the guy I would fall in love with was actually smarter than me. <laughs> Wait, yeah. hold on. Rewind. Did yeah. you know? Like when you met him, like this is the guy for me. Like this is it, because that's like a really young age. And mommy always tell me, "Oh, girl, you're not. Yeah, that's not, you're gonna go through a few of them." And I'm like, "No, I don't want to." You know, I I <laughs> saw him and I knew he was special. I didn't know why, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know that at 15 I really knew what like love felt like. But right. I was as close to that as possible Mm -hmm. um but we were actually just friends for our the first two years like our sophomore and junior year of high school we were genuinely just friends like purely platonic relationship uh you know i i was jealous of him sometimes because he would get better grades than i would yeah he would competitive yeah of (laughs) course claro que si like you know of course (laughs) of course and i'd be like oh my gosh like i got a 95 and he's like oh i got 100 and i'm like bien nonchalant i got 100 (laughs) But, like, I studied for, like, oh. three weeks, and you literally just studied before the period, like, oh. the class period. And, like, you know, they're a different kind of smart people. Right. I always tell people, like, I studied. Right. Like, I'm not, like, just naturally intelligent. No, no, no. Like, you I had to study. Work. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. My husband's very different. My he's husband's just, like, just very naturally intelligent, which is great. But I mean, you know, you know, he's listening to this interview. By oh, the way. I know, I know, I know. He's gonna get a kick out of it. Yeah. He's gonna be like, "Really? You said that?" Yeah, I'm like, "Yeah," because it's true. I felt like that at 15. I felt like that. I feel like you low key still yeah, feel this yeah. way. You know, you know. Listen, <laughs> let's not get into the fact that he got into NYU and I didn't. Ooh. Let's not go there. We don't need to go no, there. Let's no, let's not go, we don't there. Need to go there. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. All right. So, you would you guys study together? No. No, no, okay, not so at not all, even ever. That. No, okay. we were totally different. Okay. I was like the books, the books, the books, like a plan, strategy, notes here, this, there, going to the teacher's office to ask questions. John was just like, he would wake up. Everything I woke just up hit. Like this. Yeah. And I'd be like, and yeah. I'd before the exam, I'd be like, so like, how do you feel? Did you prepare? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And I'm like, I woke up today and I'm gonna ace it. I'm like, why am I the one that's panicking? Anyways, it is funny, and it's it's funny because I know some of our um my I mean my my two best girlfriends uh went to high school with us, mm-hmm. and uh, they're still my best friends, you know, to this day. And I'm sure they'll watch this interview and they'll be like, "Yep, sounds yep, about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> I remember that." <laughs> so talk to me about college now. Yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing. Well, actually, I'm gonna let you say it, and then I'm gonna yeah. insert like my little tidbit there. But yeah. talk to me about that. The process of like. Picking schools for me, um, you know, I just, I was just like, I don't want to do this. So I'm just going to pick like whatever. I actually went to BMCC and then I graduated from Lehman College. Okay, But you really like went through a whole process with college. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So, you know, the the college application process to me was um, 
not something super, super new because both of my sisters had gone to college. Okay. And, uh, you know. Same college or? No, no, no. Okay. My oldest sister went to Hunter College and the. Love Hunter. Mid- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and she's a teacher. The middle sister, can't remember the school that she went to, but she's a fashion designer. And okay, she's been dope. working in the fashion industry for like 20 years now. Amazing. Um, And, but, but I was going to be the first one to leave home. Mm. That was, that was a lot. Like. For the that's a lot. The baby of the house to be the one that's leaving was that even comfortable? Because my mom would never no. even let me stay over anyone's house. So oh, imagine no. like, I never stood over anyone's right? house. Right? Oh, Mommy would no. be like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you have your house, your bed." This I think is the it. first time I slept in another bed that was not mine, that was not like you know, vacation in Ecuador, mm-hmm. was my college dorm. <laughs> seriously, no, seriously. And that was hard for my parents. That was really hard for my parents oh because my it's like I'm the youngest. But I think my parents knew, you know, I am, I've always been very independent. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, they saw how trustworthy I was in elementary school and high school. I was generally like a pretty good kid. Like, yeah. you know, I behaved, I got my good grades. Um, I wasn't like super boy crazy or anything like that. Right, like right. I, I was a pretty, like, I was a pretty good kid. I think yeah. if I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but like, yeah. you know, toot, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like um, you weren't answering back yeah, to your parents no, or anything. Like, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I wasn't the easiest teenager either, you know, <laughs> right. but, but. But um, you did well, Cindy, you did well. And I think my parents yeah. trusted that, you mm-hmm. know, and I think they knew that I would be okay. Um, right. And when the college application process started, you know, for me, it was really like focusing on the FAFSA, right? So mm-hmm. the financial aid form that you have to fill out before yes. going to college. Um, and the financial aid form tells you how much your family can afford to put towards your degree. Mm-hmm. So it's called the EFC number. That's right. Right. Like the estimated familial contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was zero. Mm. You know, mine was zero mm-hmm. because my parents couldn't afford anything. Right. And I think that's, um, you know, I think that's very real that a lot of us go through is a realization of like, oh, I'm poor. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's wow. It's a real thing. Yeah. And I think that that really lit the fire under me to be as um, scholarship worthy as possible, you know, and I made sure that I had great grades, great extracurriculars, letters of recommendation, all of that. And I applied to a bunch of colleges, um, a a bunch of universities, uh, some out of state too. Like Mm. I applied to the University of Miami. My parents were never going to let me to go there. But But like, like, just weigh out all options. Why not? You know, I applied to a whole bunch. um, But honestly, the ones that I really needed to look at, which are were the ones that would give me money, like Mm -hmm. that was very, very important to me. You know, and um, you know, I did get into some private universities but they just simply were not offering enough and so i was like all right can i just stop you right there the fact that you knew your worth at that age yeah is so amazing to me like i really continue but i just had to mention that because i really love that i think for me it's it it wasn't i don't think back then i really saw it as knowing my worth as it was as much of knowing my family's worth, you know, mm-hmm. and knowing what my family could take on versus what they couldn't. Right. And really resting on that. And I knew that going into tens of thousands or hundreds, possibly of thousands of debt in that moment would not be the best fit. Um, right. So going off of, uh, of my love for science, I went to college uh, because I wanted to be a doctor. Right. That's right. what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a medical well, doctor. But like what kind? A GYN. OBGYN. Really? Yes. OBGYN. Oh Women's God. health. 
like really? throw me into the yes oh, that's amazing. what i wanted to do so i uh got accepted into stony brook university which is a public university here in New York, uh, very, very well known for their medical program. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I told my best friend, like, I got into Stony Brook. She was like, me too. I was like, so let's go. She's like, all right, cool. That's how she made her decision. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, that's how she made like, her we're decision. We're just going to go together. She's like, all right, like, yeah, let's go together, you know. Um, but the, the beautiful thing about Stony Brook was that they actually offered me a full ride, you know. So between... Um, certain grants like the tap grant yes. you know mm -hmm. uh and and scholarships that stony brook offered me my full tuition and room and board was covered you know and and that so. for me for me at that moment i thought i achieved the dream at that moment i was like oh american dream done right got my college degree fully funded Mm -hmm. I, I did my job. I did the job that my parents told me I had to do when I was a little girl, which was get good grades, get into a good school, and and get a great career. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, the next step was pursuing medicine. Mm -hmm. And that's what I went to, to Stony Brook for. And then I realized that I can't see blood because it makes me sick. Like, <sighs> literally. And so maybe becoming a doctor was not going to be the move for me. <laughs> You realize that when you already got there? I realized once I was in school and I went to Stony Brook University Hospital oh to get an internship. God. And I went in hand with my resume uh -huh. and I went to the hospital and I, I, you, you know the smell of hospitals. Yes, yes. Now, to be clear, my father worked in a hospital as an OR uh uh, technician da assistant. My dad for, works yeah. at Monsignor Hospital right now. My father worked at Montefiore. Really? Yes. Get out of here. I swear. My dad worked at Montefiore <laughs> Hospital for like oh 25 years, 20, 25 years, something like that. That's in the OR. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. I had it's a moment. It's crazy, right? It's like, yeah. I had a moment. <laughs> Oh and and God. and it's funny because my dad had already told me that medicine was a very challenging career. Yes, but I was like, no, it's fine. I can do. And and I I thought that as long as I got good grades, mm -hmm. that's all I needed. No, right. no, right. you need your doctor to like be able to treat you. Yes, yes. and I I went to the hospital because I wanted to get an internship after my first my freshman year at Stony Brook, mm -hmm. and I walked in and I walked out. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. Like, I, I was. It. I started like panicking. I was like, I can't. I'm not. Oh, like it was a real. Oh fear. yeah, yeah. No, I was like, I can't. I'm not gonna. Oh wow. <clears throat> and immediately I walked. But I I'm walked sure out. you've seen blood as a little girl. You probably bumped into things. It's, you it's like was and, it different? And especially just there? because I was like a tomboy. I right. used to get my knees scuffed right. up all the time. I mean, it was normal, like to just see some, like blood dripping yeah. from my knee or my classmates or whatever. But something about being in the hospital environment. You're like, uh -uh. like knowing that that could be my my career something about that was like god was like this is not for you honey. so then you this detoured. Is not for you oh yeah i detoured and okay. i was like all right what's the next best thing that i could do law <laughs> like you know that's crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah so then i read that you wanted to become the first latina senator yes. that's a big role that's a big role it is a big role you know i um I started interning for uh, Senator, then Senator Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. uh, this was in like 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, President Obama had just been elected and there were the rumors that he was going to appoint her as Secretary of State. So I was like, oh, I'm so happy for her. Love this for her, but hate this for me because I'm out of an internship. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so they actually moved me to Senator Schumer's office. Mm -hmm. And Senator Schumer is the other senator of New York. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Throw me with Senator Schumer. And so they put me in Senator Schumer's office. And I got to work for the Senate for 
you know, almost two years, I worked in his office in Long Island, in New York City, and Mm -hmm. in D.C. And it was a D.C. internship that really made me realize that there is a severe lack of representation in Congress. Definitely. A severe lack. And I, you know, like, of course, the election of President Obama was a victory in our communities, um, but it wasn't enough. You know, and the fact that there was no... U.S. Latina senator, not one, not out of 50, there was not one. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I could do that. I could do that, you know? And so I I said, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Maybe government, politics is what I'm supposed to do. I mean, you know, I got a good amount of experience in it. And, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Justice Sotomayor went to my elementary school, my my high school. Um, I me- I've met her on numerous occasions, like, in college and law school and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very inspired by by her life as a public servant. And I thought maybe I can do that too, you know, but for Congress. And so that's kind of what made me want to apply to law school. But that's not cheap, Cindy, to go to law school. It's like a very expensive journey. It's like a house. It's <laughs> that part. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So what would make you say, okay, how... Am I going? Because you just said like your family didn't really have it. So how did you get the money to then go to law school? (laughs) That part. A lot of I'm going to drink on that because that's. A lot of Yeah. So talk about that. So when I was in my senior year of college and I Mm -hmm. I decided I'm going to go to law school, the stark reality was there are very few scholarships available at the graduate level, like, you know, MBA, law school, uh, master's programs. Just generally, there's a very, there, there is a lack of scholarships. Um, but two is that it's expensive. And Super. that's when I had to really think about, will this investment be worth it? Will this investment in my education be worth it? And I think that because I had always thought I would go to medical school, mm-hmm. which is also very expensive. Very expensive. I thought, well, law school is actually a year like less than <laughs> medical school. Medi- medical school is four years and then some, right? Because right. then you have to do your specialization and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but law school is uh, three years. So maybe I got a deal, right? Right. That's what I'm telling myself. I'm yeah. trying to justify it. Yeah, yeah. You're talking yourself through it at I'm this point. I'm talking myself through it. Um, but I think what it really was... Uh, was me thinking about I I don't have a choice. That's really what it Did you really feel that? Like yeah. you really didn't have a choice? No, I, I, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I mean, who was I going to tap down for money? Yeah. Who was I going to shake down? Right. I didn't have anyone to shake, to shake down. So I, I knew that the best that I could do was apply to as many scholarships as I can. Um, hope for the best. Right. And then, you know, just uh, be ready to take out loans. And... At the time, uh, the I would say the average tuition. I'm just talking tuition. I'm not talking room and board. I'm literally just talking about like the classroom instruction. Right. I'm talking about, about books or anything like that. Tuition alone was about fifty thousand dollars a year back then, and mm-hmm. so for a three year degree, that's one hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. And and just to put into context, now just ten years later, uh, the average is about seventy thousand. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, Columbia University put out their, um, you know, estimate of of what it would take to get a law degree. They added tuition plus like cost of living, and it's like one hundred and five thousand wow. dollars a year. A year. Wow. 
So, I mean, for me, it was like, Ugh. well, no one's going to give me the money to do this. So I'm going to just go ahead and do my best. And um, and you didn't stop either. No, I you went straight to. Because you could have stopped too. at that. Like, OK, I heard the price. Yeah, I'm no, and, and I went straight through. I went straight Jeez. from college into law school, which, ooh, which um, if you are considering law school, I highly do not recommend that. <laughs> I recommend taking the time, a year right. off, two years off. Uh, really try to figure out what you're interested in. Maybe get some real work experience. Most of my colleagues, my classmates in law school, had some type of work experience. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I went straight through. Uh, I don't regret it. I, I'm happy I did it, but I don't necessarily recommend it to other people because i do think there's value in real life work experience right yeah right yeah. so now you're in law school you go straight through what happens after that now yeah. where are you where are you in your life now are you married at this point no no is no. it okay i'm in a lot of debt <laughs> she's like i'm in a lot of debt so okay. much debt so much debt um so i'm a very transparent person okay. i like talking numbers um okay. i know in our community that's not very common but right. you know it's something that i am very passionate about uh being more transparent especially when it comes to money and <clears throat> um for college i had taken out about a ten thousand dollar loan uh and sometimes people are like wait i thought you had a full scholarship i did but i decided to take a fifth year <laughs> I decided to take a fifth year okay. because I just wanted I just wanted to. I wish I had like this like, you know, really thoughtful kind of no, I just wanted to stay in college for another right. year and I did. And so okay. I I did take out a loan of, um for about $10,000 and uh and so I had that and then I had to take out loans for law school. So I was very fortunate to receive a half tuition scholarship. Okay. At the time that was about $25,000 a year. Okay. Um but I had to take out about 25000 for living expenses. So, oh, so in all, every year, I took out about fifty k. Okay. So I took, about, I took out about 150000 for law school specifically. Mm -hmm. So law school and my undergrad combined was 160000 in loans. Yeah. Okay. So by the time you got out of law school, yeah. what happens? Are you quick to get a job and yeah. like figure out how I'm going to pay this off? So I when I was in law school, I heard of these of these jobs called big law jobs. And okay. I was like, oh, I, I want one of those. Why? Because these are the jobs that back then starting salary was one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. OK. And that was more money than I could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. I mean, my family never made anywhere near that. Right. And um, and, and, and so what's the catch? The catch is that it's the private sector. My whole mm -hmm. life, I thought I was going to go into the public sector. I thought I was going to go into government. I thought I was going to go into politics. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, there's this opportunity to go into the private sector, to go into corporate law, essentially, mm -hmm. you know, representing uh, large companies, banks, uh, large government entities as well, which which I, I did as well um, while I was practicing law. And I I knew that I wanted one of those jobs, but those jobs are not easy to come by. And uh, those jobs are also very white, very white. There mm -hmm. is very little diversity in big law. And I knew that it was going to be a challenge. I knew that right. the, 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 the hill up was that climb was going to be really serious. Uh, but I was determined to do it. And so I was super focused. You know, my nerd self came back out. Yeah. I was super focused, super committed to get the best grades I possibly could. Uh, you know, I, I graduated in the top 10% of my law school class and I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, um, 
got a job at one of those coveted uh, law firms. Mm-hmm. And that really changed a lot for me. You know, it, like that, the financial privilege that I came upon mm-hmm. after graduating law school is something that, I mean, I would be foolish to ignore like the very real impact that had on my finances, you know, on my money, on my family's money and and our financial circumstance. And so I graduated school with a job. You know, I graduated school with a job offer and uh, and it was very I was very, very fortunate to have that. And that's when I realized as a very, very young associate, it's time to pay all this debt back. How, like, how do you even go into, first of all, that's overwhelming for yeah. me. Yeah. Like, I would literally be scared. Like, ugh. Yeah, it is. And, and, and most people just run away from it, right? Like, no one wants to deal with that. No, who wants to deal with that debt, you know? Um, but for me, I didn't have a choice. Like, I had to. You yeah, know, I couldn't you go to. into default or anything like that. And also, uh, I didn't have an excuse, right? Like, I was making a good income. I really right. didn't have an excuse to do that. And uh, my monthly student loan payment at the time was $2,000, which was more than my rent. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I came, I had a decision to make. I was like, I could either, I was living in a small studio apartment in Harlem at the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought I could either move into like a nice one bedroom, high rise apartment in the city. Uh, maybe I can buy a car. Right, maybe right. I can, you know, all these things. And I didn't do any of that. I decided to continue to live like a broke law student, right? you know, and right. I decided that I'm going to stay in my studio apartment where my rent is at the time it was $11.50 a month. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, rely on my Metro card. <laughs> that we unlimited love a good Metro card. That unlimited is everything. That unlimited gets you places. Absolutely. It gets you where you need to Do go. Do not sleep on an unlimited no. Metro card. No, it's power. It's yeah, power, it really you know? Is. Remember the, the free card that we used to get in high school? Yes, the green ones. The, the white green the ones. Green. The green ones. I mean, like, you know, possibilities are endless. <laughs> yes. um, and, and yeah, so for me, it was really trying to uh, be as disciplined as possible and uh but but i don't want people to think that at the time i already automatically just knew about money no i didn't you see i had i had graduated law school with this really fancy uh prestigious degree at this really really fancy law firm in the middle of rockefeller center in new york city and i didn't know squat about money right i didn't know anything so where did your relationship with money like where did that begin it started with getting a tax refund, uh, not a tax refund, a tax form in the mail. Um, I had been diligently paying off my student loans for one year. So I started paying them off January 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I graduated in in June, June, yeah, June 2015, uh, started making the pay, 2015 started making the payments January 2016. That's when Mm -hmm. my first payment was due. And uh, I I just thought that as long as I make my payments, I should be good, right? Right. And so I did that. And so I made to my $2,000 monthly payment. Uh, so if you're doing the math, you know, in the first year, that means I paid $24,000, right? $2,000 a month for mm-hmm. 12 months, $24,000. Pretty easy Correct. math, right? Mm-hmm. I get the tax forms that tell me how much interest I had paid. Because these are the forms that you get, right? Because right. then you can... You, you you might be able to deduct a portion of uh, the interest that you paid on your taxes. And I look at the forms and I realize that of the $24,000 that I had paid to my student loans, mm-hmm. uh, 4000 went to the principal, a.k.a. the amount that I took out, mm-hmm. and 20000 
went to the interest. Twenty thousand went to the interest. Yeah, of the twenty four thousand that My I paid. My heart just dropped for you at that moment. Yeah, I, I felt, I felt That's angry. Crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say you must have felt like discouraged at that point. I think I know for I would. me, I think for me, the biggest dis- being discouraged was definitely part of it. Right. I, I thought to myself, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life. Right. But I think the biggest thing I felt was shame because I mm. didn't know why. I didn't understand it. Right. Like I was looking at the tax forms and I was, I was trying, I, I was hoping that the tax forms would explain to me why. And I did not understand it. And I realized that I didn't understand how debt worked. Mm. I didn't understand how to budget. I didn't know how to save. I didn't know what an emergency fund was. I didn't know why you needed to build credit or what was good credit or mm-hmm. how to get good credit. I, don't even talk to me about investing. Are you kidding right? me? We don't. It's like do I don't that. even have the money to invest. I don't like, even know what to do, right? right? Like I realized that I didn't know really anything about money management and that to me was that was what I call my aha moment. Mm-hmm. That was the moment that I was like, all right, that's it. The allowing, well, I just don't know anything about money to be an excuse ends today. I'm done. Mm. I'm done. I'm I'm going to do better because right. I know I can. And so I'm going to get good with money. I'm, I don't know so how, you but I'm going yourself to. I did. Money. I did. Self-education. A hundred percent self-education. So what was that? That was Google for you? Was that Google. was, Okay. <laughs> Okay. It was Google. Yeah. Because who else? Where? Who like, else where are you going to ask? Yeah. Am I going to ask mommy, poppy? No. no. Like, I'm not going to ask my older sisters. Right. They don't know. I'm not going to ask my friends. We don't talk about that. Right. Like, I, I didn't know who to ask. So I went to Google. <laughs> and I Googled, how do I get out of debt? Mm. In those words. Like, that That was literally what I did. I Googled, how do I get out of debt? Mm. And and the internet really exposed me to this whole world of what's called personal finance. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, personal finance is how people on a day to day manage their own money. Mm-hmm. Okay, some people think it's like, oh, but that does that mean it's like accounting or traditional finance, like Wall Street? No, no, no. We're talking about just like how normal people on a day to day basis manage their money. Right, and. For me, it exposed me to this world of of knowledge. And I, you know, um, back to that theme of of always being a good student, I was ready to go back to school. And mm. my school was the internet. Was the internet, And right? my school was podcasts and blogs and social media, mm-hmm. books, you know? And, and that's what I did. I, I, I turned to other resources. Um, and what I found was that most resources were white. Mm. And they were male and they were privileged and they were a lot older. I don't want to mm. offend anyone. Right. But right. they were older. Right. 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 And I thought this is so boring. <laughs> like there was no one. There was none of no, us in that no. space. And I was like, these big names that you hear of, they're all older white people that I have nothing common with it wasn't relatable no not at all um right. and so i searched some more okay i dug i dug and i found what i was looking for i found mm. three women i found bola sukumbi who is the founder of clever girl finance mm-hmm. a black nigerian woman i found jamila sufran uh founder of journey to launch um also a black jamaican woman 
And then I found uh, Janelle Espinal, a founder of Miss Be Helpful, a Dominican-American Brooklynite. And I was like, bingo. I found what I'm looking for. I found what I'm looking for. Um, Bola had an excellent website, blog, and uh, and, I, and I devoured her content. Janelle had an amazing YouTube channel where she talked about like how she saved money on things, how she was living on like 50% of her income as mm-hmm. a teacher in New York City, you know? Right. And Jamila on her podcast uh, talked about her own journey and had guests, uh, many who are people of color, right. talking about how they grew their wealth. Mm-hmm. And that is where I found my teachers. You know, that is where I found the women that would Build educate it. me and 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 teach me in a way that, like, I so desired. Right. You know, I wanted to learn from women that were the children of immigrants, that were maybe immigrants themselves, that, you know, I wanted to see myself in who I was learning from uh, because that would have the most lasting impact on me. And I'm so, so thankful for them. I'm thankful that all three of them are now friends of mine. Oh. Yeah, I love and this. and and it's uh, it just goes to show, like, you know, representation really matters. It really does. It does. It does. And I think when you have representation out there, it really has the opportunity to change people's lives. I'm a big so now, of that. like, through your Google search, now you yeah. found all these three women. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you find? Like, what were some of the things that they were teaching you that you said, okay, now I can then apply this to my life? One of the biggest things was you need a budget. Mm-hmm. That's what it came down to. You want to get good credit? You want to <laughs> invest? That's the word everyone's afraid of, by oh, the no way, one likes is it. budget. No one likes it. No one likes it. <laughs> um, you want to have, uh, you want to pay off your debt. You want to invest. You want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. You want to have a nice wedding. Uh, you want to buy that Chanel bag. You need a budget. That's right. Period. Period. You okay. know, I'm, I'm an event planner, and I yeah. always, that's my first question to clients. What's your budget? Like, what's your budget? Yeah. If we yeah. can't establish that, yeah. there's no event. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So it's because so if you your budget is five hundred dollars, I'm gonna get you a nice little cheese plate, right? <laughs> if hard. your budget is right. fifty thousand dollars, we get in draping. That's right. Like you know, but I need to know where you're going now. What is a budget? A budget right. is your money plan. Mm-hmm. It's so the if plan. You don't, if it's you don't plan. like the word budget, don't say it. Don't, don't say use it. it. Yeah. Replace it with money plan. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell people because the word budget makes people think, oh, I'm it's it's restrictive, it's boring, it's no, 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 just so don't use it. But it's that don't one word it. that people are like, it's cringe. Like why? Yeah, well, why? it's cringe because society has taught us that budget and budgeting and doing things on a budget means that you're cheap. It means that you're frugal. It means that you don't have enough. Mm. It's it, it's associated with scarcity rather than abundance. Right. And that's the problem. So for me, who, you know, whose business is called zero-based budget. That's right. I love my budget. Right. I love my budget. My budget has helped me become debt-free. My mm-hmm. budget has helped me grow my net worth to multiple six figures. My budget has allowed me to generously give to my family in Ecuador and in Honduras and mm-hmm. to my parents. My budget has allowed me to do things that 10, 12-year-old Cindy never could have imagined. And mm. that is why I'm so passionate to educate women on money management. But generally, it, it's not just about debt or just about the budget or just about investing. It's about financial freedom. Yes. You know, that, that it's about seeing money as a tool to accomplish your goals rather than a burden 
that is going to prevent you from reaching your goals. We need to to shift our mentality. And I understand that I had a lot of financial privilege, right? Like, let's not ignore that. And then people are like, but Cindy, you grew up low income. Yes, I did. But I was also a corporate lawyer. Right. I, I was also a practicing corporate lawyer for six years, and that came with a lot of money. It did. It did. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't inflate my lifestyle. Right. I didn't look like a lawyer. I looked like a regular person, mm. you know, because I knew that my money needed to do certain things. I didn't have the privilege, even though I had a lot of financial privilege through, I had a lot of like income privilege. Right. I didn't have the kind of privilege that my parents paid off my school loans mm-hmm. or that they, I didn't have any, or like I have right. like a trust fund or something right. like that. Like right. You were still doing for you. Right. And yeah. so it's like, I needed to make sure that that income that I was receiving was being very smartly allocated. And you needed to make your money work for you. I had to. I didn't have a Mm -hmm. choice, right? It was Mm -hmm. like, I need to become money money savvy. I need to pay off my debt and I need to do it on my own. Uh, No one else helped me. Like my husband, you know, he was still my, he was my boyfriend at the time. Like Mm -hmm. no one helped me financially, right? It was really just me. Um, and, and that's and that's okay, right? That's okay right. because there are a lot of things in life that we kind of have to do on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it required a plan. And for me, my plan was my budget. My plan was seeing, okay, Cindy, you make this amount of money a month. Where is all that money going? How much of that is going into savings? How much is it, of it is going to your debt payment, your student mm-hmm. loans? How much of it is going to um, dining out? to groceries, to your light bill, Mm -hmm. your rent, like how, where is your money going? Because a lot of times people say, um, oh, but like, you know, I'm never going to get out of debt. And I ask them, do you have a plan? And they're like, I mean, I make my payments. I'm like, no, no, no. Did you ever create your own debt repayment plan? plan. And then it's like, oh, but like, well, I I just know I, I don't make enough, but do you know what your spending looks like? You know, so you ask, start asking people questions and all right. of a sudden you start kind of like breaking through like, oh, maybe I can do this in my own way. Well, wait, let's talk about sacrifice, right? Because with yeah. budget comes sacrifice to a certain extent. It does. For instance, if your goal is paying off these loans, yeah. You can't Uber Eats all the time. You can't go out with your friends. You can't buy that Chanel bag. You have to then step back to Mm -hmm. take two steps forward. Yeah, yeah. Right? So what was some of the sacrifices that you made to then clear clear up this debt? So again, I I stayed in my low rent studio apartment in Harlem. I stuck with my Metro card and I gave myself a very modest Uber Lyft budget. You know, very, very modest um, so you I brought, even have a budget for the lift. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. I did. I did. Cause otherwise it gets really, that, gets that thing pricey. climbs up really, yeah. really quick. Um, mm-hmm. I brought my own lunch to work every day. You know, eating in New York city is really expensive. It's like 15, Absolutely. $20 easy every single day, you know, over the course of a month, just on lunch, you know, you're looking at like $400 just for lunch. Right. Right. So what did I do instead? I meal prepped and I, I, I packed my lunch from home and I would give myself on Fridays, I would allow myself to buy lunch. Right. Okay. I always found balance. And I always tell people, you know, when I started coaching clients, um, when it comes to all things budgeting, I ask people, what do you value? Mm -hmm. What do you value? If you value getting your nails done, put it in your budget. Right. If you value buying yourself a nice blouse every once and again, put shopping in your budget. Right. But do it intentionally. See, a lot of us, we just swipe. We swipe, we swipe, we swipe. We don't think about 
what we're spending on mm-hmm. and and which means you're not acting in accordance with your plan right right and so any goal that you want to achieve you need to have a plan in place but you also need to have some type of a system right to accomplish it and so i always tell people like i'm never going to be the one to tell you you need to cut cut out your 6 7 dollar latte every day right. like that's it it's a no i'm instead going to ask you what do you value do you value that latte because it gives you an excuse to get out of your house, uh, you know, because you work from home every day? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it just like a convenient thing? Like you don't even really like it like that. It's just convenient and you're rushing yeah. on your way to it's work. It's like the costumbre of like getting right. the latte. Yeah. And if the, the thing is, well, Cindy, honestly, it's just that it's very convenient and I need some caffeine in the morning. Well, then, girl, make your coffee at home. But here's here's the thing. If you were to ask me, what yeah. do I value? Yeah. I would say time. Yeah. So for me, I spend my money because I'm trying to yeah. to buy time. Yes. So I would spend on maybe getting, you know, someone to clean my house because mm-hmm. I can allocate that time somewhere else. Yes. Or I would spend money on someone doing my laundry because mm-hmm. I can use that time somewhere else. Conveniences are totally acceptable. Okay. Totally acceptable. Because I almost felt guilty saying no, that right no, now. No, no, <laughs> no. No, conveniences. Okay. I mean, I, I ha- uh, my husband and I, right before the pandemic, we had a cleaning lady for like a whole probably like year or so until, of course, you know, the pandemic happened and all of a sudden I was <laughs> back to scrubbing <laughs> my tub, you know? Right, um, right. But, but no, I mean, I mean, obviously very, very honorable work that, um, that those in the cleaning industry do, but, and they should be paid right. That's right. And they should be tipped. Um, Absolutely. But anyways, you know, we had that because our time was was huge. It Convenience was, yeah. was very valuable. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I I wrote a book, and there were certain weeks where I could not cook. That was mm-hmm. not going to happen. So my husband and I we ordered this like meal delivery service. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little more expensive than groceries, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's going to save me a ton of time because I have lunch right there, I have dinner right there. I don't even have to think about it. Pop right. it in the microwave, pop it in the oven, and I'm good to go, right? But you need to put it in your budget. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Just put it in the budget. You care about it, put it in the budget because the budget is going to tell you, yeah, you can you can afford that. You can, you know, if, let's say let's just as an example, your income let's say is $4,000 a month, right? Mm-hmm. After you pay your taxes and everything like that, you get $4,000 in a month. Mm-hmm. Where are those $4,000 going? Right. Some of it's going to go to rent. Some of it's going to go to groceries. Some of it is going to go to the cleaning lady. Yeah. Some of it is going to go to the latte that you pick up because you're, you know, you're always you're on, on a rush boat. and you're mm-hmm. on a go and you don't got time to brew your own coffee, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're going to put your money where you value it. But maybe you don't really value all the crap that you're buying on Amazon for your bathroom and your mm-hmm. kitchen, all the gadgets. Right. So maybe we maybe we cut back on yeah, that a little that bit. Right. right. Maybe if you're spending $200 a month on Amazon, I'm not saying put it down to zero, but maybe you give yourself like $50 instead. Right. Small steps. Small steps is what I really encourage people to do. But the first thing that you need to do is you need to look at your spending. Right. I, I like doing a spending audit audit um, is what I recommend that people do. You're going to look at the past three to four months of your spending, okay. your credit card bill. Mm. Yeah. That's a whole topic I want to touch on. With yeah. You, yeah. 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 Your, your debit card transactions. I want you to go. And if you have different color highlighters, even better. Just and I want you to start marking up. 
what is shopping, what is food, what is, you know, um, any other type of spending that you have, start marking it up and start looking at how you are spending your money. Because if you are spending more than what you make, that means you're funding it with debt, period. Mm. And that is something that people, no one wants to hear that. No one, uh, how dare you, Cindy? How dare you accuse me of living off of debt? Are you though? Are you? But you are. Yeah. And if you are, we need to have a conversation because there's only two things that we can do. There's only two things. If you're like, well, Cindy, my lifestyle is just, it, it's, it's, it's not like, I, I know my lifestyle is higher, higher than what I make. Right. Right. Well, then you have two things that you can do. And I, and I, I tell people, I always, I'm very big on leading with kindness and love, but right. I'm also from the Bronx. I'm going to give it to you <laughs> just like it is. All right? right. Right. What you need to do is e you either need to cut back your expenses uh -huh. or you need to increase your income. Mm, period that's it that's it one of the it's other. math right. it is math if what leaves is greater than what comes in it is math there are only two ways to fix that you lower your expenses so you go through your spending and you have that really tough conversation or if you're like cindy i looked at my spending and it is perfect mm -hmm. and i am very happy with how i'm spending my money well then that's great but your income is not covering it Right. So you need to go and increase your income. You need to go to your job and negotiate a pay raise. You right. need to go for that promotion that you know that you should have gone after two years ago and you didn't because maybe you were too scared. Right. You need to seek mentors in the industry that you're in mm -hmm. to help elevate you. You need to maybe leave that job. Right. Maybe you need to leave that job. <laughs> we know that the biggest pay increases that we can get is when we job hop. Is when right. we leave the job, right? right? And so that statistically speaking, that is the biggest way to increase your income. It is to get a new job. And 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 for you, maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's starting a side hustle, something that you that you're already good at, right? right? And you want to do one, two, three, five hundred dollars a month can make a really big, big difference. Uh, but again, you only have two options. Right. Decrease expenses or increase your income. So there's I just First of all, I love this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I really, really do. <laughs> so there's a couple of things I want to touch on really quickly. Side hustle. What are some great yeah. passive incomes that someone can do immediately to just get a few dollars in their yeah. bank account going just to kind of maybe slightly increase it in the meantime? Yeah. What would you suggest? First, I would suggest what are your skills, right? Okay. Like what are you already good at? If you are a teacher, tutoring. Okay. Right. If you are a t if you're in education, tutoring, especially now, virtual tutoring is very popular because okay. of the pandemic. We didn't really have a choice, right? I mean, now you're saving on a commute, right? You, mm -hmm. you don't have to commute, sure. and you can tutor a kid from the comfort of your home. You know, depending on what subjects you teach, the age of the child, you know, you can charge forty, fifty dollars an hour for a tutoring session. Okay. Let's say you do that, you know five times a week, that's $250 a week. I mean, we're talking like, you know, over $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's, that's, like, that's one idea. Okay. But you need to look at what you're good at, right? Maybe you are just, you're very efficient. You're, you're very active. You're like, Cindy, I don't want to stay at home. I want to do something. Instacart. Uber Eats, Postmates, yes, I you know, those are that. things that you can start ASAP. You know, they will do like a background check and, and, and all of that. So that may take like a couple of days. Right. Um, but that's something that you can get into. If you, unlike me, like driving, 
Uber, Lyft, right? Like there are things that you can do outside of the home, right? right. I always immediately gravitate to virtual because a lot of the work that I do is virtual. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that you can do out. Uh, TaskRabbit. If you're really good yes. at, you know, uh, cleaning, mm-hmm. organizing, people pay people to organize their home. I'm one of those people. Yeah. If you're good at it, if you have that eye, go for it. Take take a certification online, you know, for organizing, whatever that would look like, and and start charging people for it. Okay. TaskRabbit is a really, really good resource for that. For example, um, my husband and I, like I said, we, we moved very recently. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of things that we needed hung up, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, paintings, frames, uh, my Dyson, like the charger for yes. my Dyson, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't want to do all that. I didn't, yeah. you know, I, I really didn't want to do all that. And so we hired a task rabbit, you know, and we paid this guy uh, who who came in and ver- was very good at his job, very professional, came in, got it done. We paid him. Boom. It's a win-win. Hey, yeah. And 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 I actually asked him. Oh, actually he volunteered because I asked him like uh oh like you know I I think I was like I I think last minute I there was like something else that I needed to, him to do and I was like I want to make sure it doesn't interfere with one of your other jobs and he's like no I'm good with my timing. Um but then he said uh yeah I do this like full time. Like he's been able <laughs> to leave his job because he makes more money an hour. Isn't that insane? Doing task rabbit. Isn't that And crazy? he he loves it. He's like, he he's happy doing it. And he makes his own schedule. And he makes his he's own good. schedule. You know, I even needed, um, I got these like gold frames in my living room uh, mm-hmm. to do kind of like a gallery wall situation. See, I don't have that eye. Right. My sister, the fashion designer, she's the one that got like the artist's eye. I don't have that. Right. And so he was like, how do you want these? And I was like, mm, I don't know. And so he did it. He, he laid it, it out. And, he was, and he, he was happy doing it. The point is that you are good at something. Right. You are, right? So tap into it. And so if you can, tap into it. Mm -hmm. Also, for someone like me who's a small business owner, I hire people to help me with, um, well, now with social media. Mm -hmm. uh, But but I've helped people to help me with like virtual assistant roles. So if you're really organized and you have a good attention to detail, look into becoming a VA. Mm -hmm. Look into becoming a virtual assistant. You know, you can help people with their emails, organizing their files. I hired this girl. I, I put it on my social media like, hey, I need someone to archive all my Instagram posts, you know, to have it really nicely done. Boom, boom. That's a whole job. Boom, boom. She did it. She did I it for me. I love that. You know what I mean? Okay. And, the, and and I paid Amazing. her. I paid her her rate. She was like, I charge this. And I was like, great, because I don't have the time to deal with this. Right. And she did it. And, and she was happy to do it because she already had that experience. You know, you are already good at something. Tap into it. And look at what you can do. And yeah. also, my new book does have a couple of ideas for side hustles. Not to plug, but let no, me plug. No, plug it. Yeah, plug it. Yeah. Okay. Next thing I want to discuss, credit cards. Yeah. So growing up, yeah. mommy always told me not to have a credit card. Yeah. And so I'm going to be very honest. Please. I do not have a credit card. Oh, no, girl. Even now. Oh, no. We're going to change. Oh. I I know, yeah. I need need this to not have water in it. Yeah, yeah. I'll sit with you. Yeah, no, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. I know, I feel like this is like an intervention. No, let's talk Um, about this. So, I don't know. Mommy just always told me, like, listen, it's it's a sure way to get into debt. Yeah. And so, because the mindset, right, is a real thing. For you, you shifted your mindset where you had a very... uh, 
Like, you understood your issues with money, but you also had a positive relationship with money. I would say so, yeah. yeah. For me, um, I think I was, like, raised to feel like debt and money fear? wasn't power. Yeah. And so, yes, there was a lot of fear surrounding yeah. it. Yeah. And um, I had a credit card when mm-hmm. I was, I think I was, like, 20. Mm-hmm. I had, And then I had, what did I have? Victoria's Secret, oh, Banana Republic, yeah. right? Yeah. So I I would buy everybody's yeah. Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. You were either getting something from v- Victoria's Secret or Macy's. Banana Republic or Macy's. or Macy's. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I got into this incredible amount of debt. Yeah. Um, I got into a car accident, um, which obviously we settled. Mm-hmm. Right. So that allowed me to then go to college, which is why I do not have student loans right now mm-hmm. because I pay for school with the settlement check mm-hmm. and then I paid off my debt with mm-hmm. the settlement check. Okay. Well, at least you were smart with your settlement check. Right. This is good. This is this good. This is good. But then I said... No more. No more. Yeah. Right? And instead of paying off everything, mm-hmm. I actually called them and said, what can we settle for? Mm-hmm. And that's what I paid. Mm-hmm. And now here I am today mm-hmm. with no credit card, with an incredible amount of fear. Like mm-hmm. I don't even want a credit. Like people tell me all the time, you you need, girl, you need credit. Like you're a woman of business, you need credit. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You can do. I just do a debit card? <laughs> like I just don't. No. So no. yeah, let's talk about. Let's this. talk about because this. this is a very real thing that I think our community sees. I also was grown and grown up in a. Um, I was raised in a household where you know debt is evil. Mm-hmm. It's evil. Um, I want to first lead with this. Rich people, the wealthy, they leverage debt. Mm. They use debt for everything. I'm not saying that I want you to go and start opening up all these credit cards and taking out right. all these loans. No, don't. But use it smartly. That's the key. I had about $13,000 of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. That was part of my debt free journey. My right. my law school's uh my my student loans grew up to um about $202,000. My credit cards were about 13. I paid off about $215,000 of debt. Uh consumer debt was real for me. It was very easy for me to swipe the plastic um and also a lot of it was done when I just plain and simple just couldn't afford right. certain things when I was in law school. And since becoming credit card debt free, which was in I think probably like late 2016 or so around there. Since then, I have not paid a dime in interest to any credit card companies. Mm. I have seven credit cards. I have not had any credit card debt in the sense of like, you know, paying interest to companies, not being able to pay off my balances in full every month. I have an 800 plus credit score and I don't use my debit card. Okay. That was the ultimate flex. And that was the ultimate flex. The last one. Uh huh. I've made about thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars in credit card rewards. Yeah. So let's talk about it. I love this. Okay. You see, when you start realizing that you can, first of all, you need to remove the "I can't" right from your head. You know, because it is a mindset shift, and that's hard. That's really hard work to do. But you need to shift your mindset from you know what. I am good at managing debt. I am good at managing my money. I am a businesswoman. I am a woman that makes things happen. So let me make this happen. Right. Let me start leveraging debt in a, in a strategic way. Right, the way right. that these 
old white men do. Mm-hmm. Let, let me try to do a little something like that. And when you start shifting your mindset and start realizing that credit is actually incredibly important, right. incredibly important. You want to buy a house? You need good credit. You want to lease, uh, lease or finance a car? You need good credit. You want to start your own business? You need good credit. Okay. You want to, um, in New York, you want to lease an apartment? You need good credit. You, some of you that work in, let's say, the financial services industry, certain jobs will run your credit. A friend of mine, her job offer was rescinded. Why? Because she had bad credit. I will say this friend of mine also now now has excellent credit and is a personal finance educator, okay? And has her own, like fintech startup company you know which is incredible Mm -hmm. um but is also a testament that no matter where you think you may be you're drowning in debt maybe you don't have good credit anything like that you can get out of that situation right and you not only can you get out of it but you can thrive Mm -hmm. so the first thing that i would suggest is having that really hard difficult conversation of why did i get into debt Mm -hmm. Like, really, why did I get into debt? And be really honest with yourself. Be very, very honest with yourself. A lot of people, it's, well, I just couldn't afford, like, groceries. And other people is, I wanted to buy nice things. And and I wanted to keep up with people, you know? And I wanted to keep up with the happy hours that I was getting invited to. Do the honest work first. Then you need to educate yourself, okay? Step two is actually understand how credit works. Mm -hmm. Understand what makes up your credit score, Okay, and understand the fact that credit cards specifically have some of the biggest impact on your credit, which is why I am such a proponent of using credit cards, but using them very intelligently. So wait, wait, hold on. When you say that, like, what what are some of the things you would, you know, buy on the credit card? Yeah. Was it coffee? Like, what were some of the intelligent now yeah or yeah, now everything okay so everything. everything goes on your credit card and then you just pay it back everything okay. goes on my credit card okay. everything goes on my credit card from grocery shopping to uh you know clothing to transportation everything goes on the card and here is the key it gets paid off in full okay by the due date okay that is the key if i can leave people with one thing you must pay off your balance in full. I mean, we're going down to zero right? by right. the due date. People say there's this myth of, oh, well, I need to carry a balance. I need to have a little something on the card to build a good credit. That's a myth. Right. That is false. Okay. 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 You need to pay off your card in full. Now, the person that's like, Cindy, okay, I, I hear you, but I'm still a little scared. I'm kind of scared of opening up that first card and what it could lead me to. Here's what I recommend to my clients. This is what I recommend to my clients that have just finished paying off credit cards. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, please don't close them. Because when you Mm -hmm. close your credit cards, it impacts your credit score. It impacts impacts your age of credit. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a a factor that makes up 10 to 15% of your credit score. It impacts your credit limit, like your credit line. Okay, also known as your credit utilization rate. That's 30%. Wow. That is 30. We're already talking about 40 to 45 percent of your credit score has now been impacted because you closed that card. I'm not saying that you should never close a card. I'm not saying that I've actually closed the card. I closed my first credit card that I ever opened because it was very predatory Mm -hmm. and yeah, just very, very bad. Um, 
but since then, you know, I have, I have now, I guess I have six, technically six personal cards. I'm sorry, five personal cards and one business credit card. I have six okay. credit cards now, right? Okay. So what do I suggest the person that just paid off their debt, their credit card debt, and they're like, okay, Cindy, I'm kind of ready to now get into the game, like get into the thing that you do. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to start by putting a subscription on there. Mm -hmm. Your Spotify, your mm. YouTube premium, your okay. iCloud storage, whatever, yes, right? Yes, Put something that you know you pay every month. Right. Your cell phone bill, whatever it is. Something that you pay every single month and don't use the credit card. Put it away. Right. See, you're going to keep the credit card active mm -hmm. because you're using it. Right. It's paying your Spotify every month. Which but is here's what you the, already pay. You already pay it. Right. But here's the second part to it. You're going to set up an automatic payment from your checking account to your credit card so you every single month. So you don't have to month. think about it. So there's no thinking. There's no thinking. You have a credit card that automatically is, is being used because it's paying your Spotify subscription, for example, mm -hmm. but it's also automatically getting paid. Right. So there's no more of, oh my gosh, I forgot the payment. Or no, no, because you already know how much you need to pay and you're automatically making that payment got it and that's how you start to build the healthy habit that's how you start okay mm -hmm. you also have maybe um a, a a pretty big expense that that's coming up maybe like a trip right and you need to put the flight and the hotel on this credit card you mm -hmm. sign up for a credit card that's offering you need to be very strategic with this that's mm -hmm. offering um a sign up bonus of let's say you know eighty thousand miles mm -hmm. right and you need to spend in the first four months of opening it, you need to spend $4,000. That sounds like a lot. And that's scary. Yes. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable, right? But if when you open it, you put your this trip that you know you're going to spend, right. that's probably going to be at least maybe what, like $2,000, right? Between the flight and the hotel right, and whatever absolutely. it may be. And then the other $2,000, you are like, okay, the only other thing then that I'm going to use aside from this trip is groceries. Right. And that's it. And that's it. And okay. then you put the card away. Okay. Okay. Because now you already know what expenses are there and you now know that you can pay it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen? You went ahead and you signed up for this credit card. You, you followed the method, right? You right. followed Cindy's method of putting intentional, that is the key, mm -hmm. intentional purchases on this card, mm -hmm. making the payment, paying it off in full. So you don't have any interest. Right. You're not paying interest. Right. There's no interest being paid on this. Okay. You are using debt strategically. Right. You are using it, using it strategically. And at the end of your, let's say, four months, the credit card company says, very good. Here's your 80,000 points. Those 80,000 points, they convert to $1,000 worth of flights. Boom. You just got your first $1,000. I love this. Without okay. doing anything. I without love paying anything, without mm -hmm. paying any interest, without no, 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 boom, simple way to do it. I've I've had to book emergency flights for my parents. Actually, I had to do this last year, last September, mm -hmm. um, for my uncle who passed away, mm -hmm. and my mom and dad had to go to Ecuador to you know obviously um uh uh well, well my my uncle passed away later, but he was very very sick, and so they wanted right. to go to spend time with him. And I had to book these emergency flights and I did so using my credit card points, mm. you know, and their the flights, points. I probably paid out of pocket like $200 maybe for wow. two round trip tickets to Ecuador. Wow. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's when you start realizing that there is a method here. There is a little bit of a game. 
when you start to learn how to play it, that's it, the real power. That's the real power. That's when then you can say, you know what? I've made thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars off of credit cards in the past five years. Mm-hmm. You know. Let's go into. Yeah. I still have so many questions. <laughs> no, I really do. Um, four hundred one k plans. Yes. Okay, so. 401k plan. So I currently have my 401k plan mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I had a day job, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. left the day job, mm-hmm. and now it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. No one's contributing to this. Mm-hmm. What do you say to people in this point right now? Like, yeah. do we move it yeah. to the different account? Because yeah. um, yeah. obviously you can't do anything with it until you possibly get another day yeah. job. And then you can, yeah. you know, right, have your right. other employer switch it over for you. So... I had to go through that because okay. I left my law firm last uh, last May and I had a 401k. And so um, what I did is I rolled it over. Okay. So, so did. what did I roll it over into, right? right? So it went from being a 401k, which a mm-hmm. 401k is um, an investment account for retirement through your employer. It right. is not your only option for investing for retirement. There are many other types of accounts, but specifically with an employer um, in the private sector is a 401k. In the public sector is a 403b. Mm-hmm. And government employees, you might know this as a 457b. They're all the same thing. They're all right. retirement accounts. And so what I did is I took that money. You don't have to, but I'm a big proponent of rolling it over. Why? Because every year it's something like over a billion or some af- astronomical number um, of dollars that get left behind because people forget. People forget. Right. They're like, oh, wait, you know what? I think I had a 401k. That, and it's and like, yeah, it's like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? That's your money. Like, what, and, and people and money will you forget. For. Yeah. Money that you worked for and people will forget. And so I'm a very, very, very big proponent of rolling it over. Um, and what I did is I rolled it over into what is called an IRA, an individual IRA. Mm-hmm. retirement account. I have mine with Vanguard. Vanguard is a brokerage, which is basically an investment firm, right? Okay. And what I did then was that I specifically invested that money, okay? I went ahead and I was like, okay, I'm moving over this money. Now I'm going to invest it and I invested it in um, low-cost index funds. So what are okay. index funds? I know people are probably like, whoa, whoa, slow down, right? right. People think investing is all about picking stocks. It's not. You can do that. I'm lazy. I don't do that. Okay. okay. I'm very lazy. Uh-huh. I don't have the time to look at how's the stock market doing. It's going up. It's going down. Oh my gosh. I'm getting an ulcer from just looking. I don't have time for any of that. Right. Okay. Right. I'm a very, very passive investor. And so I like index funds. What are index funds? Think of a stock as like a flower. Okay. Like a rose. Think of invest- index funds as a bouquet. Mm. It's a variety. All right. It's a variety of stocks. It's a, a group of stocks. You got a little bit of Amazon in there, a little bit of Microsoft, a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, Starbucks, a little bit of you got you got a little bit of everything. Right. Like you have your okay? hands in everything. You have it. diversification, which there you we go. love, right? Which we love. And so I chose to invest mine in a very in a low cost index fund. So something that's not super expensive, right? To like have, um, but that invests in what you can say is the total stock market. So okay. I was like, you know what? I don't want to pick one stock. I want all of them. Right. You sell. I want all of the <laughs> stocks. Give me all right, of the stocks. Right. And that's what I personally invested my money in. Now you can invest your money in whatever, you know, pleases you. But the point is that you now all of a sudden have a little bit more power, mm-hmm. right? And you have a little bit more ownership because now that money feels a little bit more like under your control. Um, I highly, highly recommend a free service, which 
I have partnered with in full transparency, but even without partnering with them, I use their service. Right. They're the ones who actually rolled over my 401k and they did all of it. I didn't have to call. I didn't have to like worry about like, oh my gosh, I have to still, I have to look for my 401k with my employer. I have to talk to HR. I have to, no, they did everything for me. Or like, oh my gosh, I have to set it up now with Vanguard. Like I have to, no, they did everything. They did oh, everything. Amazing. And um, okay. the company's name is called Capitalized. Okay. okay so C-A-P-I-T. C-A. You got it. C-A-P-I-T-A. Okay. L-I-Z-E. Okay. okay. Capitalized. Um, really, really great company. It's not even to say that I've had rosé because this is water. <laughs> why can't I spell? <laughs> why, why can't I spell? Um, <laughs> but Capitalized is a really great company that offers a free service. Okay. It's a free service and uh, you can go ahead and, and roll over your uh, retirement account. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of doing that just so that you can have, because then if you do get another day job and then you leave that day job, you can start just rolling it all over into one place, mm-hmm. right? Just one account that you'll have here, all right? You can roll over all these old accounts that you have from all these old employers into one place. Now, let's talk about, I feel like I have so many <laughs> This is going to be a long one. So if you have a day job Mm -hmm. and you're in between your dreams and your reality, right? Mm -hmm. You have a day job and this is the money that is now funding your dreams, Mm -hmm. but you no longer want to be there and your dreams is kind of sort of making you money. Yeah. When is the right time to leave your job to then go into full-time into your dreams. Yeah. So as someone that did this, because I had my full-time job as an attorney uh, where I was making a very good salary, you know, had all the, it was all the bells and whistles. Um, But my, my passion project was starting to really kind of grow and take off. And I realized, hmm, this could become something. Um, One of the biggest things everyone needs is an emergency fund like non-negotiable but how much you, are you saving yeah so fun i uh i highly recommend saving at least six months okay. of your necessary expenses if this is the kind of jump that you're going to make right if you're going from your full-time job to your passion project or whatever it may be if you now if you don't support anyone but yourself right, right. so if you don't support if you don't have any dependents six months is pretty solid right okay. um because hopefully within those six months your side project is really going to start to make the money that you really need right. um and ideally you know when i say six months i mean necessary expenses i don't mean like your six months of spending or six, right. months, six months of income i literally mean like rent groceries mm-hmm. the light bill your cell phone bill internet like right. the essentials the essentials only, only. Mm-hmm. i want you to add up that number for one month and i want you to multiply that by six that is your goal number okay, okay. for your emergency fund um if you have dependents i would really err on 12 months okay okay if if, if it's because of this leap that you're going to make i want to make it very clear everyone should have an emergency fund whether you right. have a day job or not or wh- wherever you you are my mm-hmm. general rule of thumb is three to six months of necessary living expenses mm-hmm. but if we're talking about someone that's going to go from full-time job to entrepreneurship i really want to air more to six to 12 months okay. of necessary living expenses because that's going to help you you know um uh, uh, fund your dreams it's going to help you pay the bills you know and that and part. i think that i think we need to get a very real 
of the risk that comes from leaving a full-time job because it is very risky. And you might go through some pretty dark times when it comes to your money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because... I mean, unless depending on what kind of business you have, you might not start making money right away. You likely won't, Mm -hmm. you know, and you will have expenses. People love saying, oh, my business brought in five hundred thousand dollars last year. How many how much expenses did you have? Like what's your overhead? Yeah. Like you had to pay people. You had to. I mean, it's expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just want you to be very honest with yourself and I want you to have an emergency fund. I also want you to be very, very knowledgeable on what it takes to run your business. Like how much does it take to run your business? If you are, for example, in the candle making business, you need to very much account for your inventory, Mm -hmm. right? The actual, the wicks, the, the, the soy, melt thingy right Right, the the actual jars packaging shipping you need Mm -hmm. to account for all of that um in in your numbers right how how much are you going to need to make that happen uh if you have a virtual business you know what kinds of software do you need to purchase to make it run do you need to hire a virtual assistant maybe Mm -hmm. to make things happen you need to get very, very honest with yourself. And that's what I did. I, I got very honest with myself and said, okay, what am I going to need in order to make this happen? And I saved. And I saved pretty aggressively. Right. Uh, and I made sure to do it. And I'm I'm very happy that I did because, you know, last year, even though my business brought in um, 150000 in revenue, which I was very happy about, you know, this year I thought, well, I want to double that, right? right? And then I had to write a book. And that mm. takes like 90% of your time. That takes really all of your time. Right. And right. boom, there goes a pause on a lot of the revenue sources that right. I would have otherwise had. So, right. you know, I'm not right. saying that everyone is going to have to kind of put a stop in their plans because something like a book comes through. But what if, what if you find yourself pregnant? Which is a very real thing. What if you get engaged and now you need to, you know, save for a wedding? Like life happens. That's right. It happens. And so I just want you to be prepared because if it does happen, then have your financial safety net, you right. know, that's there. Um, and I also don't believe that your partner should 100% be your financial safety net. You know, of course, we want we want to be able to rely on our partners. And if we have good partners, we will be able to. But I'm a very big proponent on women having their own money. Right. Always. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to make sure that you have enough, you know, for you, if anything right. ever happens. Now, talk to me about business taxes, because I learned this yeah. the hard <sighs> way. I learned this the hard way. So I never took a side. First of all, I never paid myself. Mm-hmm. I just started paying myself now. Mm-hmm. So I have this business, don't pay myself. And then I don't. Girl, how do you eat? <laughs> And I don't send like I, I don't I don't take money and put it to the side for yeah. my taxes. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking Oh, the tax bill came. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm making all of this money. <sighs> right. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Someone's paying me this. And then I got to pay taxes. And I'm like, so I'm not making that. Uh, you're not. You're not. So if I was making 20,000, yeah. I was really making 10. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a that's a. And that was a very hard lesson for It's me. a harsh reality yes. that a lot of people come into, um, fortunately, usually the bad way. See, this is how taxes work. When we are employed 
by an employer. Our employer has the responsibility of withholding taxes. They withhold our uh, federal taxes, our state taxes. If, for example, you live in a place like New York City, your city taxes. Mm -hmm. They also withhold what's called FICA taxes, right? So your payroll taxes, your Medicare tax, Social Security tax, your employer is responsible for doing all of that. Mm -hmm. They, a.k.a. HR, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. HR does that for us. So what happens is we just get a paycheck and that's it. That that's is our it. money. That is our money to spend, right? That is not how it works when you are self-employed. That's right. Because when you are self-employed, you have an employer that's doing that for you. Mm -hmm. So you need to do it, okay? And the rule of thumb is whatever comes in, that is called your revenue, all right? So whatever you bring in, let's say, for example, you get uh, contracted to have, a, you know, start a project, uh, whatever it may be, it's $10,000. They're going to pay you $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, amazing. $10,000, right? Oh, I have $10,000 to spend. Absolutely not. You do not. You have to first, first, you have, you must put money aside for taxes. Now there is there are a lot of business write-offs, right? Which right. that's another topic, right? But first, I want to make sure that at the bare minimum, you are ensuring that you're paying your taxes. And so what I recommend and many other financial educators recommend is setting aside 25 to 30% of whatever you bring in mm -hmm. for taxes, right? okay? And I like the thought of having a very, a separate savings account that you don't really have access to okay. like that. Like, like just a total separate savings account that holds your tax money. Right. So that when you pay either your quarterly or annual taxes, the money's there. Right. You're not scrambling into your personal savings account right. to pay your taxes. And so if, again, going off of the example, if we got a $10,000 check for this project that we completed, amazing, you are going to go ahead and you're going to take $2,500 to $3,000 and you're going to go but and you're going to put it in that savings account. And then the rest of the money, you're going to do whatever you need to do. You're going right. to pay your overhead. You're going to pay yourself. You're going to do whatever you need to do. Um, but I find that initially doing that will help protect you from then during tax season, like having to scramble. You know, which Insane. which happens so much. I've seen it happen so many Worst times. Decision. And it's hard. It's super hard. It's, and it's also tempting, right? I mean, we're human. It's tempting to see that $10,000 check and be like, oh, this is mine. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> I'm rich. Oh, it's not mine anymore. You yeah. know, but you, you have to remember that Uncle Sam will always get his. Insane. Always. Always. Um, I know this is like kind of off topic, but not yeah. really. What are your thoughts on Shakira and like her? Because I, because I'm like, it doesn't just happen. Like no. that accumulation, you had to have known that these things were already kind of brewing. So, and I don't know how true the story is, but I'm yeah. just saying what's in the media. Like, what are your thoughts? I'm just interested in hearing your thoughts. So, about that. what I think when it comes to really any celebrity that has any tax problems, I think they trusted the wrong people. Okay, and that's why my biggest takeaway from whatever it may be whether it's true or false that she's committed right it's alleged tax right. violations mm -hmm. right um you need to have the right people in your corner please make sure that you have an accountant if you don't have one already please make sure that they're trustworthy make sure that they're reputable don't go just to the guy in the corner because you know mommy said that he would that he knows right. taxes like mm -hmm. does he really does he have credentials um because you see celebrities, that's not their job. Their right. job isn't to manage their books. 
Their job is to perform. Their job is to entertain. Right. And so I think that she did not have the right people in her corner. Now, right. does that mean that under the law that she's exempt? No. Right. Under the law, depending on what they find, she could very well be guilty of violations, just as maybe she's not guilty of any violations. But that's why we need to be very mindful of our money, too. Mm -hmm. So if you are a small business owner, um, of course, I want you to have your accountant. I want you to have your bookkeeper. I want you to have your team. Right. But also, like, don't just fully turn a blind eye. Check in on your books. Check right. in on you know, what's, what's, what's happening? Like, you know, uh, are, are, did my taxes get filed on time? Did they get paid on time? You know, um, how are things getting paid? Uh, you know, are my vendors all like, you know, all good? Like, please make sure that your own money is, is doing right and see that's the thing yeah, like right it's accounted for that it's accounted for and that's the thing it's a, it's a delicate balance right because i just finished saying that she's an entertainer that's not her job to do right and you're right it's not but but i mean unless we're as big as shakira right right uh, we we should have an eye on our our finances. I mean, how many how many sports player like athletes and celebrities have you heard of that go broke? Yeah, right. And that's and the thing; like, they kind of all go through that. I feel like so there's so many, many stories that we hear child yeah. stars that were big right in our times of like the 80s, the 90s, and whatnot, and now they're broke. And, and it's like, really where sad. Where did their money go? And it's like, well, why did that happen? It's because they did not have the right people in their corner. Because if they had had the right people that helped manage their money correctly, like for example, if you're a child star, you should have a trust fund. You should have money that's going into a trust that you know you're not going to be able to touch until you're like 18. Now there are some laws around that. Um, right. There weren't really that many laws like years ago. Uh, but you need to really have certain systems set up in place to protect you right. you know a lot of these athletes you know some of these kids uh you know they're graduating high school and and getting recruited you know into the leagues mm -hmm. uh, which is awesome but now because of social media they're now influencers too they have a million followers which means that they're getting brand deals so they're mm -hmm. not just getting money from their sport but they're getting money from from brand partners like and endorsement so what's, deals. and yeah these endorsement yeah. deals and what's happening is that they are coming across so much money and especially in communities of color they're coming across more money than they probably have ever seen in their lives people are very very quick to put their hand in that pot right mm -hmm. and they want for them and they might not be steering the 18 year old in their right direction and so when the 18 year old becomes 28 all of a sudden they realize for the past decade people have been jipping them they haven't been paying the irs and boom what happens now you're broke and that's a real thing and that's it you know and and it happens so my biggest piece of advice is you know with the shakira thing i it, it's my biggest my instinct is uh she did not have the right people in her corner um and so then for you what 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 does that mean for us mm -hmm. is uh please be mindful of who you're hiring but also what's going on with your own books yeah okay now biden yes all right let's talk about this because you actually put up a post about it mm -hmm. Um, and the student debt relief yeah. plan. Yeah. So break that down for us. Yeah. But then also, I think my main question is, what does that mean for people that are currently taking out loans? <sighs> okay, good questions. All right, so first... What is it? So um, President Biden announced a three-part plan for student loan forgiveness. The first part of the plan is pretty self-explanatory. It just means that 
federal student loan payments and the interest rate, which is cr- currently frozen, is currently zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is going to expire on December 31st, 2022. Okay. okay? Uh, so starting January, you if you have federal loans, student loans, you are going to have to start repaying your student loans. You are also going to see that interest back okay, okay. on your student loans. So that's the first part of the plan. Pretty self-explanatory. Part two is a big one. That's debt cancellation. So President Biden acted through an executive order, which means that he does not need approval from Congress to say we are going to cancel up to $20,000 of student loans. Okay, so if you received a Pell Grant, Pell Grants are uh, have historically been given to those of very low income families. Uh, If you received a Pell Grant when you went to undergrad, you're going to get up to twenty thousand dollars of your student loans canceled. Okay, Okay. but you also need to meet the income requirements, which means you need to make less than one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year or two hundred and fifty thousand if you're married. Okay? Okay. Um, if you're like, well, Cindy, I didn't receive a Pell Grant, but I do have federal loans and I do make under that money, well, then you will receive up to $10,000 okay. of debt forgiveness. Okay? Um, well, Cindy, how do I how do I get my hands on that? Like I'm I'm eager. Right. This is great, right? Eight million people will see uh, their debt automatically canceled. So this is expected to benefit 43 million Americans. Uh, It is expected to cancel completely the debt of 20 million Americans. uh, And and 8 million people will automatically see their debt canceled because their income data, Mm -hmm. right, like, certifying that you make less than the 125 right. it's already with the u.s department of education and because your data is already with the u.s department of education it's canceled automated. okay but if you're like well cindy i don't know if my data is with the u.s department of education how do i get it to them in the coming weeks they're going to open up an application which biden said is simple i hope it's truly simple right okay right um a simple form on the u.s department of education's website i want you to go to ed.gov subscriptions and i want you to sign up your with your email address Okay, for uh, to receive the updates and you will be notified when the application is open. You're going to put in some personal information, including your income for either 2020 or 2021, because that's the income that they're going to base it off of. Okay, Okay. so that's the general gist of 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 part two, which is um, the debt cancellation. Now we have part three, and this is the one that impacts the people that are taking loans now moving forward, okay? And um, this, what it is, is that it is going to create basically a new income-driven repayment plan. So currently there is an income-driven repayment plan, which means that the monthly payments that you need to make on your student loans. Now, I also want everyone to be mindful that we are talking about federal loans. We are not talking about private loans. Private loans are not included in this discussion at all. Uh, Cancellation of private student loan debt would have to involve like Congress, like for sure. And it would have to, and and that would be much, much greater because now you're dealing with private corporations. Here we are dealing with federally held loans, which are loans that are administered through the U.S. Department of Education, Mm -hmm. uh, which Biden has the power to tell them what to do okay and that's why he's telling them all right you're gonna cancel like exactly um so part three of the plan uh like i said it creates a new type of income driven repayment plan uh which is basically going to cap the amount that you're gonna have to pay on your student loans Mm -hmm. and and you know it's gonna be helpful because it's gonna make the payments lower Mm -hmm. right uh but but 
I do want people to be mindful of that if your payments are very low, please just be mindful of that you might not be able to pay your debt off in 10, 15 years, depending right. on how much you owe, right? Mm-hmm. Like if your debt, if you have $100,000 of debt and your payments are $50 a month, uh, I mean, that's very helpful for your pocket right now. Right. right. But you probably will have to have that debt for a while. Um, now, you are a, you are fully able to decide whether that's okay with you or not. Right. You know, uh, you are able to make that decision. But after 20 years, your debt will get discharged. So after you making that. Now, okay. why is it beneficial? It's because your payments are going to be lower. Uh Right. So people that are taking out loans now, your payments would be lower. But the big thing and this is the part that there hasn't been too much coverage on it. And I'm personally very interested to learn more is that they're basically going to they're going to handle the un, the government is going to handle the unpaid interest. And you see, interest is what makes paying debt off so difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you hear the stories of like, I've been paying my student loans for like five years and the debt has my balance has only increased. Why? Because of the interest. Mm-hmm. So these measures will hopefully curb the interest so that your balances will never go up so long as you make your monthly minimum payment. That's what the government has told us. I'm personally very interested to see what's next. I think it's going to be, it has the potential of making a big impact on people. Um, But yeah, we'll see. Okay. You know, I have to bring you back here (laughs) because our conversations are long, which I love. Yeah. But I don't want to leave without you discussing your book. Oh, yeah. So please, please, please talk to me about your book. Yeah. um, When it's coming out. Yeah. And what can we find and what are we looking forward to in this book? Yeah. So, you know, I think that maybe a lot of people that are tuning into this episode, uh, they might finish the episode feeling a little overwhelmed, right? Because they just heard a lot. It, it was they a lot. heard a lot of terms. They heard about side hustles. They heard about budgeting, about credit, about investing, about index funds. She said something about what? What was that? I wrote this book because I want your questions answered in an mm. easy, accessible format. All these things that we just talked about are in the book, okay? Mm-hmm. The book starts with my personal story, my, my, my money story, You know, my story of being the daughter of immigrants from a low-income community in the Bronx to being a business owner that's debt-free and that has a multiple six-figure net worth. How did she get there? What happened, right? Mm -hmm. I share my story there. But then in the meat of the book, right, after those chapters, I share what's called the eight pillars to build wealth. These eight pillars that I firmly believe everyone should have knowledge on, right? The budgeting, the knowing your numbers, the debt, the credit, the investing, all of that is laid out in a very practical, easy to read. I also have examples, you know, in the book, right? Like we use examples, we use numbers Mm -hmm. because I want you to see these concepts applied. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then the book ends with a very kind of easy roadmap, like a little checklist, you know, so that if just like once you're done reading the book, you want like a quick little summary Uh, You know, and it's all there. All the tools that I used in my journey, the resources, uh, most which are free, you know, I named them there so that you can have uh, access to. And I wrote the book because I'll never forget what it felt like going into a bookstore and not seeing someone that looks like me. You know? Oh, Oh my God. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you do this, right? Yeah. You know? And keeping that in mind, I was like, 
I, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to mm-hmm. do something about this. I, I need to do something about this. I need mm-hmm. to educate our gente. Mm-hmm. And in a small way, I'm going to do it. And, and man, have I poured my heart into that book over these past few months. Girl, the tears. The tears. This is probably like the 10th time I've cried this week. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Because it is hard. And it sucks, right? It sucks going to a bookstore and seeing like, damn, like none, none of these writers look like me. None of these writers know the struggle. None of these writers are from the Bronx. None of these writers, you know, they, they had immigrant parents. Some of these writers have trust funds. I don't even know what that is, right? right? Like, I wrote the book because I want 18-year-old Cindy, 25-year-old Cindy. I want my fellow friends in their early or mid-30s. Mm-hmm. I want them to have access to financial education mm-hmm. in a very relatable, mm-hmm. no-nonsense, approachable, but also kind way. You know, I always say you have to lead with kindness. Mm-hmm. Even though you have the tough love, lead with kindness. And, and people will, will learn. You know, they might not implement everything you teach them right away. And that's okay. Right, that's right. okay. Mm-hmm. But you've given them exposure. And now when you teach one, you teach many. That's right. Right? Because when one person picks up the book, they tell their girlfriend about it. They tell their little sister. They, t- they gift it to their cousin for Christmas. That's right. And that's when you start seeing change happen in our community. That's how generational wealth happens. That's yeah. how it happens. But it starts with with saying, you know what, I'm going to take this that I know and I'm going to share it with my community because I don't want to be the only one who's chilling in Punta Cana 20 years from now with my piña colada in hand by myself because that sucks. That's lonely, right? right? Mm -hmm. We need our community with us. And I think specifically for for the Latino community, um, something that has been very true to me is, is how important family and friends and and community is so how dare i keep the knowledge to myself you know so yeah. my my book is 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 my love letter to my community it is hopefully something that's going to resource people it's going to encourage people it's going to empower people um and and overall uh hopefully educate <laughs> thank you so much oh, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show thank you for having me like <laughs> a true inspiration oh, thank you i really do appreciate it Cindy. thank you I'm always crying on this show. Hi, everyone. It's Cindy Zuniga Sanchez from Zero Based Budget, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to check out my new book, Overcoming Debt, Achieving Financial Freedom, Eight Pillars to Build Wealth. And I hope you subscribe to Growing Up Latina.